Concord Bible Church, it's great to be with you. You know, we sung some songs about God being our Father. Um, that uh, makes us brothers and sisters. Because I was singing the same songs. And uh, guess, guess what? You know, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. Amen? All right. So it's really neat to be here with you. Brian, come up here real quick, man. Real quick, because we're going to move fast here. I want to make sure that in my message this morning, I uh, leave you wishing I had said more than wishing I'd have sat down. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, all right. Uh, Brian here is at William Jessup University. Uh, he was right there on that microphone. And uh, so just real quick, want to ask, what, uh, what year are you in school now? Uh, this is my junior year. Junior year. I had to have this guy come in because we're getting so big now. I said, Brian's going to be doing music. Brian, what, which Brian? Brian, come in and see me. Got to talk, brother. We got 1,300 students now. And um, there are over probably 250, 275 that are out in churches this morning doing what he did. In one form or another. They're, in the, they're playing the drums. They're playing the guitar. They're singing in choirs. They're doing, it is really, really awesome. With 800 churches within a one-hour drive of us, they're out serving. Um, what's your major? Music. He's a music major. What do you think you might go and do someday? Um, I mean, at this point, it could possibly be worship leading. Fantastic. So uh-huh. I think it could too, don't <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah, it's fantastic, brother. Uh, who, what was it that drew you to the William Jessup again? Um, well, originally, I mean, it's Stephen. He, he told me about the school and he said, yeah, I, mean, I, I originally went to Biola. Um, didn't have a, a great experience over there. Uh, Stephen said, hey, check out, check out Jessup. They have a great music program checked it out. Um, it was fantastic. The, the community, I, I didn't even go to the school, and then people were saying hi to me, and I was like, oh, okay, uh, this, is, this is very welcoming. Um, but I mean, Jessup is really known for their community, um, and just being that welcoming, heartwarming uh, group of people, and just getting to know the, the music director as well, and he was welcoming. I was like, wow, this, this is it. This is for me. So yeah. Wow. Did I pay you to say any of that? All right, okay, just wanted to make sure. Thank you, brother, so much. Appreciate you, man. You're going to do another song at the end, too, right? Yep. All right, fantastic. Thank Brian for his time to come over. You know, um, my heart is that young men and women like Brian would find uh, the opportunities that God, the gifts that God has put within them, to use them for the opportunities that he's going to put before them. And Brian could have easily just said, you know what, it's a Sunday, I don't have to go to school, uh, you know, class, I'm just going to sleep in. And I don't want to go do this. And yet he drives all the way over and here he is to lead worship because God's given him gifts with his two buds who helped. And I appreciate you guys. Thank you for doing that with him. And, and you look like William Jessup students to me. So I'd love to have you come check it out. Okay. All right. <laughs> let, let me take you. Some of you are like, William Jessup University? I've never heard of it. And, and let me just tell you what it's about real quick. Then we're going to jump into God's word. Some things that I've learned from my parents and grandparents out of God's word that might challenge you. As we talk about a legacy... William Jessup was my grandpa, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, but there is a picture of the front of the campus. Uh, we were not watering the lawns, as we all were not supposed to do last August when we uh, 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 started up school. And you see there almost 1,000 students. Those are the traditional undergraduate students, okay, about 1,000. Then we have another 200 and some study at night. In all of these different programs, uh, we are continuing to expand the educational opportunities, all with minor in Bible and theology. So if they want to come be a teacher in the state of California, you can do that. Got the teacher's credential. But you're going to minor in Bible and theology while you're with us. You're going to integrate God's word with all that you're learning. If you want to get into business, you're going to get a good business degree, but you're going to integrate God's word with all that you're learning. 
Um, there is now um, a um, pre-med program with kinesiology. The uh, biology program is getting deeper and deeper so we can get into nursing soon. We've got a school professional studies that's for adults. Over 300 adults are coming at night in a one night a week program. And now we're online, full programs online. The first one is, is the MA in leadership you see there at the bottom. But I didn't want to make a long, long commercial about all of it. There's a brochure and a magazine. And I'd love for you to take these home with you. They're out on a little table out there. And if you want to get on the mailing list with us, we'd even love to have you do that. You could sign up and get some of the magazines in the mail. Well, what I've come to share with you, though, is first to say thank you on behalf of, um, uh, or, or with Jeremy and the leadership here, that you guys would be concerned about Christian higher education, that is Christ-centered higher ed. Because I believe, as Jeremy, your pastor Jeremy does, and Stephen and Becky and the others who work here at Concord Bible, is that God has a real plan. He has a real plan for young people that they would, would find out what God has put within them to use it for His glory. You see, because too many of our young people in life, they're just deciding that they're just going to go and make as much money as they can because they think that's where the happiness comes from. Make as much as I can and I'll be as happy as possible. And the truth is, that's a tool to be used, the finances, when you make God the treasure. And when you can come and figure out what it is that God's put within you, you treasure Him, you go and glorify Him, the money's going to happen. You know, it's not a prosperity gospel that I'm preaching, but I'm saying God's going to take care of you. Amen? Yeah, that's what the Scripture says. He cares so much for the birds of the air and the, 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 um, th- this world. Look how He cares for them, and yet how much more God would care for you if you would focus on Him? Well, there were some principles that my grandparents, my parents, uh, my great-grandparents passed on in our family. And this is not a parenting message, but this is a message about how you can keep this legacy going. This church was started in the 60s, I believe, wasn't it? You have a rich heritage, a great legacy. When you think about it, thousands of people have come through Concord Bible Church. Thousands of people, people you have never even met, have come through this church in years, years ago found who Christ was for their lives and have made a difference in the world around them because of this church. The light that was shed here and the fellowship that was had here, the love that was felt, the grace that was extended. You have a legacy. We each individually have a legacy. And it's not just about how we pass this legacy on to our kids and our grandkids, though that's important. But what's important is that there are many people who are watching your life. And I sat down and I thought to myself, this is where the legacy starts, realizing there's people watching. So I thought through it, how or or, or what were the three things that I learned? And I think the next slide there shares the three things. First thing here, the three things that my great grandparents, my grandparents and my parents shared through God's word to me, I'd like to share with you. And number one is this, that you are a living example. You are a living example. What a powerful statement. Do you understand that you may be the only Bible that some people will ever read? Have you ever thought of it that way? There are people in your life, even though you may not know who they are, at your job or at your school or even in your home, there are people who have already decided that God's Word is not relative for their life. You know something like that? 
I imagine you do. If you stop and think about it, you may work with some of them. They have decided that's just an old book of history uh, and maybe it's not even true historically. They've made those decisions and therefore they're never going to pick up that Bible. So you may be the only Bible that some people will ever read. What a powerful statement. Convicting. And my parents often reminded me of it. Not in a way in which I felt bad, but in a way in which it was, Jim, you realize the way in which we live speaks much louder than the words that come out of our mouths. You may be the only Bible that some will ever read. What a powerful powerful thing some of you have heard this said actions create habits habits create character and character creates destiny you ever heard that said before your actions create habits that what you do over and over again your habits create character what you become and your character creates a destiny where you're headed with that in mind check out my great grandparents here's a picture of them Calvin and Matilda Jessup. Uh, Is that there? There we go. Calvin and Matilda Jessup. They were down in Ceres, California. Actually, at the Keys exit, Highway 99. This is back in the late 1800s, before I think they called it Highway 99. And he was a farmer. This was my grandpa's mom and dad. And he was an elder at the church in Ceres, a Christian church in Ceres, about three and a half miles away. One morning, he gets up to go hook the horses to the carriage to take his six kids, of which my grandpa was the youngest, and his wife, Matilda, to church. When he gets out there, the horses were gone. They had busted loose. And he calls out for them. They didn't come back. He says to the family, looks like we're walking. That three and a half miles into downtown series. They start to walk to church. When they get to church, what would they find? The horses. They were so used to going to church, he deduced, they were so used to going to church that when they got lost, that's where they went. Now that's awesome, isn't it? That's a testimony. That's like getting in your car and it automatically drives to the church, you know? Yeah, (laughs) from the preacher. Actions create what? Habits. And habits create character. And character creates a destiny. And I skipped over that verse. Jeremy, I'm sorry that it was on there. It was that 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What a powerful statement that is and very difficult. Had I brought my wife of 30 years, 30 years, wow. Had I brought my wife of 30 years and, 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 I, and I were to tell you, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, she would probably say, no, don't follow him. <laughs> he makes a lot of mistakes. But if you and I as Christians, if we don't say follow our example as we follow the example of Christ, then who will young people follow? The athletes? The musicians? The latest YouTube video? Who will they follow? The truth is there are younger people in Concord Bible Church who know that you lost your husband or your wife to cancer. They they know you lost your job. They know you lost your house, and yet you have faith in God, and you're still here. You see, that's legacy, and you're passing on then that faith. Well, Calvin and Matilda, 
passed on a wonderful faith to their, all, of their grandki- all of their kids. But the next one here is their youngest, William Jessup, my grandpa. Now, him I knew very well, him and Grandma Carrie. I didn't know Calvin and Matilda. But he's the one who started San Jose Bible College in 1939. Okay, San Jose Bible College. He wasn't so bold to name the school after himself. <laughs> All right? And right across from San Jose State University, he started it with 14 students in 1939. In his home, that then a, a, a contractor adjoined to a second home, and in between the two homes was a chapel built. Not real high on building codes back then. And, and they, put, they put a chapel in between these two houses, and one became the dormitory, and one was his house. And the other was the chapel with 14 students. In 2004, we would open our doors in Rockland, California after he passed away. The board would rename the school to William Jessup University in 2004. And Stephen and Becky would be some of our first students in 2004 as we would open the doors in Rockland, California. Anybody know where Rockland is? Got a few of you. Okay, about an hour and a half drive heading to Tahoe. Next time you're on your way to Tahoe, Say, hey, we ought to go and stop and see that school. And if you do, and you tell me you're from Concord Bible, lunch is on me. All right? No joke. No joke. I will buy you lunch. I would love to have you see the campus because we're going to be better friends. And we're looking to be partners with you guys where you believe in us enough to encourage your young people to come our way. And maybe you yourselves want to continue, uh, consider continuing education through some of the master's programs. Well, there we have been now in, in Rockland. But my grandfather, he would look now and say, if he were alive, he would look and say, what did you name that after me for? And the only thing we can reply is, Gramps, because we know what you stood for. And now we can share what you stood for. You see, we could have been Discovery University, Legacy University. These are some of the names that were thrown out by the board. But the board finally decided, no, we need to hold to our roots. And the roots were that this was a, a man and woman who loved the Lord very, very much. They were sinners saved by God's grace. But they loved Him very, very much. And you know what I learned from my grandpa? I learned a lot about encouragement, about encouraging others. You see, he was a great example to me in that when I left for Illinois in the late 80s, I left for Illinois to go to seminary. And when I arrived at a small church to be a pastor there, and go to seminary, I got a letter from my grandfather. And I read the letter, and I thought, well, that's really nice, just a letter of encouragement. And I read it, and I threw it away. Next week, I got another letter from him. And I read the letter, and it was encouraging. Just telling me how much he loved me, that he's proud of me and what I'm doing. I read the letter, and I threw it away. The next week, I got another letter. And I said to myself, this old boy is not going to stop. So I grabbed a manila folder way back in the 80s and I started to throw them into the folder every time he wrote me. And he wrote me every week. And I could have told you that he wrote me every week and you'd all say, well, yeah, maybe. You know, I'm sure he wrote you a bunch. But no, he wrote me every week simply because he loved me. Why do I show you this? Well, I show you this for two years he wrote me every week. I show you this because right now there's someone who might come to your mind that you know is watching your life. That you know maybe believes in you but just needs to be encouraged. Encouraged with the God that you know. 
and the words that you know out of his word. The encouragement coming from you to say, hang in there. You can do this. You can hold on to God in this tough time. You can hold on to your husband or your wife. You can hang in there with your kids. You'll get through the terrible twos. Amen? <laughs> hang in there. And maybe there's someone you should encourage because you are a living example. It would be April 12, 1992. Grandpa was still alive. And uh, William Jessup, he and my dad, Bryce Jessup, and I were asked to speak at a church in Morgan Hill. And we were going to talk, all three of us, a little tag team sermon. Grandpa would go first. We'd done this many times. He was 86 years old. He would go first. I would go second. My father would wrap it up from the middle generation. I was about 26 years old at the time. Grandpa was 86. Gramps finished his talk. He sat down second row, right-hand side. I got up to speak. Church about this size. It was, there, was, there was a couple hundred in the audience in Morgan Hill, California. And uh, I got halfway through my talk, and my wife yells out at me. I was in the middle of an illustration. It was a really good illustration, really good story. I said, why? I'm thinking, why is she yelling at me? And I looked down and uh, realized she was holding on to him because his head went back, his mouth open, and he died. He had a heart attack right in the middle of the service. I jumped down. We spread the chairs. I did the mouth-to-mouth. A Boy Scout leader did the compressions, and we didn't bring him back. It was time for him to go. It was really cool hearing his last message. And then I believe, I think, he felt, I hope, great comfort in knowing that the words that I and my father would share would be much what he had learned and had passed on. Now, no one has died since while I've been preaching, okay? <laughs> All right. So, keep breathing, Concord Bible Church. It can really, really affect your confidence as a preacher when people die on you. All right? I'm sure Jeremy would not appreciate that happening, so keep breathing. But if you don't have your life right this morning, you happen to be visiting, man, get it right with the Lord because who knows what could happen. Okay, well, um, they pass faith on. My, grand, my, my parents, Bryce and Joe Jessup, they just celebrated their 50, uh, 60th wedding anniversary. You see their 50th in 2005, their 60th wedding anniversary this last summer. My mom taught me a lot about prayer. I love my father too, but I got to talk about the, the, the women, ladies, and how much difference you make. My mom taught me a lot about prayer because often when I was little, she would look at me and say, you better pray, that'll come out of the carpet, <laughs> you know? But when she would, she would carry me up the stairs in San Jose and, and she would want to pray with me, not every night, okay, but often, often enough that I remember it, she would carry me on her back up the stairs in San Jose, plop me into bed, and then kneel down and pray. And I remember laying there, looking at the ceiling and looking at her and looking at the ceiling, thinking, this is a crazy woman. She's talking to a God that she cannot see. I don't know if he's really there. But she didn't stop praying. She was a model. She was an example of God's love. And she continued to pray. So much so that what would happen is that prayer would become important to me. And so that when I bought kids, you know what I, when I bought kids? <laughs> when, when, when I had kids, what did I do? What did I do with, with my kids? Yeah, well, first I bought a single-story home. <laughs> and then I carried them off to bed. And I dumped them into bed and would pray with them. Some modeling is just really silly. Now, here's a picture. In 1975, my grandpa, William Jessup, climbs up Half Dome in Yosemite on his 70th birthday and stands on his head. Silly. But because he did it, his oldest boy, my uncle, climbs it in 2002 on his 70th birthday and stands on his head. 
So my dad in 2005, on his 70th birthday, climbs it and stands on his head. 70th birthday headstands. Do you know what I'll do when I'm 70? Ah. And it's silly. In fact, I think the next slide shows how silly it is because the newspaper picked it up and said one half dome meets another. You know, saying this guy, this, this president of William Justice University is not the brightest, you know, guy in the, in, in the, uh, in the drawer here. Um, the, world looks like, the, the world looks at us like that, Christians. Do they not? Do they not? Do they not say to themselves, why are you going there and spending a couple hours on a Sunday morning singing to some God you cannot see? Reading some, out of some old Bible that you do not know is true? Yet I think I speak to people this morning who would say, no, we know God hears. We know He is alive. And we know His Word is true. And it makes a difference in our lives. And it's a legacy that cannot stop with us. Amen? Well, just to finish the story, my, my father, silly guy, uh, turned 80 this June. And that's my son and I helping him up into a hand, headstand on top of Half Dome. It took him two days to get up there this time. Two days, couldn't do it in one day. But an 80-year-old man standing on his head. And I said, Pop, you're setting the bar awfully high, man. I said, I tell you what, you're not going to be around, but I am going to climb it on my 70th if the cables are still there. I promise I'll climb it on my 70th. I don't think I'll do it on my 80th, but we'll see. Because he just wants to brag in heaven is what he wants to do. All right, you are a living example but number two people are more important than things if i had to boil down all the things that my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents taught me out of god's word that i just want to challenge you with this morning folks we have to remember people are more important than things people are more important than things hebrews 13 5 is on the screen hebrews 13 5 says keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have for god has said never will i leave you never will i forsake you that is worth memorizing it is worth memorizing because when you hide god's word in your heart then what you don't sin against him you see you hide god's word in your heart it says in psalms so that i might not sin against him if I hold on to that verse and I remind myself to keep my life free from the, help me, love of money, I still have stuff. Folks, it is not wrong to have the things that money can buy. This is worth holding on to. It's not wrong to have the things that money can buy as long as in the process we don't lose the things money can't buy. Amen? Yeah. People are more important than things. 15% of all Jesus' teachings were on money and possessions. He talked about money and possessions more than heaven and hell combined. You realize that? Because he knew that we would place that as a possible God of our lives. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other, despise one and be devoted to the other. But you cannot serve, he says, both God and mammon, the world, God and money. It gets into our, into our lives so deep. And my parents were such great examples of this and how they loved people over money. But it really messes up our relationships at times, doesn't it? Oh, it can mess up our relationships. Did you hear about Harold and Marge? They were at the county fair. Harold saw airplane ride, actual airplane ride, open cockpit, dual wing. He says, Marge, I want to ride that there plane. It's only $10. And she says, Harold, $10 is $10. So he didn't get to ride. 
Next year, they're back at the county fair. There it is again, the airplane ride. Pilot standing right there by the plane. He says, Marge, I'm not getting any younger. I want to ride that their plane. She says, Harold, that plane ride costs $10. And $10 is $10. He didn't think he was going to get to ride again, but the pilot overheard him. Said, I tell you what, I'll take you both up, and I won't charge you a dime if you can keep keep from hollering out. If you can keep from yelling out, I won't charge you anything. They look at each other and say, okay. They get in the plane. He goes up and does every whip and turn and barrel roll he can to get them to holler out. Not a word. He lands the plane. He turns back and says, Harold, I did everything I could to get you two to holler out. I didn't hear a peep. He said, well, I was going to say something when Marge fell out of the plane, but $10 is $10. Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Folks, your heart will always follow what you treasure. Yeah. I was a chaplain when I was back in Illinois. For a full year, I had the oncology unit while I was going through seminary. This is many years ago. I'm getting old. And every week I went in, and every week I talked with people on the cancer unit. Leukemia, cancer, all kinds of cancers. Family standing around them, people I would see one week and would be dead the next week. As I met with them and just asked them how they're doing. You know the kinds of things I heard? I'll tell you what I never heard. I never heard them say, you know what, before I go, I wish I had bought a bigger bass boat. I wish I had bought that bigger home. I wish I'd have bought that nicer car. I, I just never heard that. Do you know what I did here? I heard uh, a lot of, I wish I had spent a little more time with this person. I wish I would have forgiven this person. I wish I could talk with this one. Why? Because in the end, people are more important than things. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of it. You know, the problem is sometimes we think we take stuff with us. We think we own things. My wife and I read a book by Randy Alcorn. It was called The Treasure Principle. Randy Alcorn, Treasure Principle. Thin little book. It would change your life on money. He said the truth is, is that really none of us own anything. And when you think about it, that's true. How can I prove that to you? I can prove it to you by asking you how many of you have seen a hearse ever pulling a U-Haul. Right? No, because you can't take it with you. You are simply a money manager of all that God has given you. You have the ability to manage that which God has given you to His glory, and someday you're going to leave all this. You will leave all this. At the time when John Rockefeller died, he was one of the wealthiest men on earth. A story goes that someone asked his accountant, How much did John leave? His accountant replied, All of it. It's not wrong to have the things that money can buy as long as in the process you don't lose the things that money can't buy. You are a living example. People are more important than things. Number three, keep looking forward. Boy, if I were to take all that I have learned from God's Word, all that I learned through people I admired, that I looked up to, that taught, that taught me about who God was in their life, what He could become in mine, keep looking forward. 
Concord Bible Church, my brothers and sisters, keep looking forward. Some of you have such great regret of something you've said or did. Some of you have such great regret over things you wish you had said and things you wish you had done. One thing I loved about my grandfather at age 86, he really believed there was no retirement in the kingdom of heaven. It's not not wrong to retire from your job, mind you. He didn't stay president of the college until he died. He retired. He never retired glorifying him. He never retired from serving him. As long as he had breath, he did what God was calling him to do. You keep looking forward because we all have regrets. We all have mistakes. We all wish we could go back and do something that we didn't do well, maybe. You know the other thing we do? We want to go back and do things that we did so well because we aren't doing them so well anymore. (laughs) Amen? Older people like me? Yeah. I looked in the mirror the other day, by the way. Us, us guys, you know what we do when we look in the mirror? We just look in the mirror, right? That's <laughs> what we've got and we leave. You ladies, you look in the mirror and you grab a little other mirror, don't you? Uh-huh, yeah, and you turn and you look at the back of your heads. I grabbed my wife's mirror the other day and I turned and I looked and my father was in the mirror, you know? <laughs> I thought, what happened? It's all gone. As soon as I hit 50, boom, it just decided to fall out. I'm in the shower, I see him fall out. I say, oh, don't give up so easily, you know? But you just change... And you wish you could go back. Folks, we have to keep looking forward. We have to keep Same with the church. This church may have had days where every one of these chairs were filled up. It can happen again. Because there's all kinds of cars. I see them right out that window driving on by. And they need a home. They need to know God loves them. They need to know people care. And maybe, maybe he's going to do that in the future. Keep looking forward. Philippians 3.13. Keep 3.13. Forgetting what is behind. Many of you know this verse. A very popular verse. Forgetting what is behind. Straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. Man, that's hard to do. We get so caught up with mistakes we've made in the past or successes we had in the past, and we want to live in the past. There was this guy watching his wife get ready. It was her birthday. She's looking in the mirror. She didn't like the extra that she was seeing. Happens to all of us. Amen? You with me? She's looking in the mirror. He says, honey, what do you want for your birthday? She's looking. She goes, oh, I wish I was six again. He says, all right. He, He hops out of bed. He grabs her by the hand, takes her to an amusement park. Puts her on a bunch of rides. Gets her cotton candy, hot fudge sundae. Stop at McDonald's on the way home for a happy meal. (laughs) They get home. She plops on the couch. Now she's feeling even worse. You know, kind of feeling all bloated from all this junk food. He sits down next to her. He says, how did it feel to be six again? Her eyes got huge. She looks at him and says, is that what this was about? I meant my dress size. (laughs) Jeremy's sitting up here right now wondering if he's even going to have me back, you know. All right, brother, thank you. You know, the truth is that we don't don't go back, amen? But that's not what God's so concerned with. He's not concerned with your past. He's concerned with what happens today, the decisions we make for today, and what will affect tomorrow. Oswald Chambers put it this way, beware of spending too much time looking back at what you once were when God wants you to be something you have never been. 
Beware of spending too much time looking back at what you once were when God wants you to be something you have never been. You who are in relationship this morning with someone as I have been for 30 years. You who have stayed committed and then you look at each other after 30 years and you think, wow, that's not the person I married. They've really changed. Do you know why single women tend to be a little bit thinner than married women, by the way? Don't get mad at me. Hang with me. Uh, the ladies are all gone. Uh, a lot of the ladies are gone on this marriage retreat, or the, the, that women's retreat. They should be here. Why, why single women are a little, little bit skinnier than married women? Because when a single woman gets home, she looks at what's in the fridge and she goes to bed. But when a married woman gets home, she looks at what's in the bed and she goes to the fridge. <laughs> okay. All right. Is that all right? Okay. Now listen, now, now Jeremy's really wondering if he's going to have me back to preach and what, what, what are we doing at William Joseph University? But the truth is, guys, we all change. Amen? We all change. And, and we have to keep looking forward to what God has for us for the future. I think there are some great things that are going to happen for Concord Bible Church. I really do. I think your best years are ahead and you hold on to that truth and the best years will be ahead. My wife ran across this uh, she ran across this quote when uh, a few years ago um, actually quite a few years ago now as I think about it it was seven years into our marriage when I finally really kind of understood what some of the challenges were for her life you see she had two different dads they were both alcoholics you know a divorce and a remarriage and then another divorce and uh, they both beat her up her mom quite a bit and uh, they beat her up and then she had a grandpa that sexually abused her starting in the fourth grade into her junior high years that was rough for her and she could have easily lived in the past and been a part of a cycle of abuse. But she read this quote one time. I can believe, uh, she says, I can blame a lot of people for the way in which I was raised, but I can only blame myself for the way I choose to live today. And that was the moment in when she decided, you know what, God is big enough to help me forget my past and move on. Jesus said that no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's in Luke 9.62. No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If Jesus were here today, I think what he would probably say in context to our society, he would say, no one who gets in their car today to drive home and looks only in the rearview mirror is fit for driving in the state of California. Amen? Right? You cannot drive your car home, even though you know where you're going. You cannot drive your car by only looking in the rearview mirror. He was saying you don't, you don't put your hand to the plow and stare back. You don't gaze back. You don't stay in the past. Oh, you do look in the mirror every once in a while, don't you? <laughs> what did I just hit? Oh, good. You know, who is that? Is that a cop? <laughs> and you look in the mirror, right? We do. We gl- because why? We learn from the past, but we do not stare. We do not live in the past, folks. That is very challenging for a church, by the way, because this church cannot be the church it was 10 years ago. It really can't be the church it was a year ago. It needs to be something it has never been. Yeah. And that means the methods change, but the message never changes. Amen? 
Yeah, it's always Christ, but you're going to do things differently. You know, 30 years ago, you probably didn't have drums set up here. Look at that. You've progressed to electronic drums. I know why they're electronic, so you can control the volume. Ah, oh, I'm going to start stepping on toes now, huh? But you know, I preach at some churches, and they're back here in a bulletproof case, man. You've seen those churches? Yeah. Because that's what happens in a church. We have to progress with the methods to reach the generation behind us. That's going to be the church before us. Before we know it. I can wrap this up. This next picture here just shows you the campus again. You know, I'm just the director of church relations for the university. My father was president up until five years ago. We have a wonderful man named John Jackson now who's a president of the university because he's gifted to be the president. And I'm glad he's there because I'll be honest with you. Right now, the challenges to be the president of a Christian university in our society, he can have the job. And I am happy to support him in it. And if someday God calls me to it, I'll say yes. But right now, what I love doing is supporting being a part of the churches that believe in who we are to support those guys right there and that guy right back there and in chapel occasionally when I get to share I challenge them with these kinds of principles to make a difference to keep looking forward because they are living examples they got to make people more important than things and they need to keep looking forward let me close with this illustration from these things these principles that I have had passed on to me through God's word that I just wanted to pass on to you that you might realize you are a part of a legacy. Folks, we've got to keep aiming at the right targets. 2004, a guy named Matt Emmons was an American. He was in the Olympics in Athens, Greece in 2004 in the 50-meter rifle competition. 50-meter rifle competition. 2004, Athens, Greece. Look it up. True story. It's incredible. He is so good that by the final round in the 50-meter rifle competition, he is so far ahead in points, all he has to do is get the last shot somewhere on the target. It doesn't have to be a bullseye. It doesn't need to be near the bullseye. Just get it on the target. He's got the gold medal wrapped up. You know the problem? He knew it. He got comfortable. That final shot. He fired it, and the light didn't come on at the end of his row, indicating his shot had been fired. He was... He was shocked, like, what's going on? Judges are called over. They pull in his target. There is no hole in his target. Then they rightly decide, wait a minute, let's pull in the target next to his lane. And they pull that target in, and there it was, a bullseye on the wrong target. In his haste, as good as he was, as talented as he was, with all that he knew and all he had been taught, he was aiming at the wrong target. He didn't get the gold or the silver or the bronze, but because he missed the entire target, he got eighth place. That's why you don't even know his name. All of his life he worked on that, and he was good. And he should have had the gold, but he was aiming at the wrong target. I've just shared with you three targets in life that I believe are very valuable as you continue to press on and walking with God. And may you, Concord Bible Church, aim at the right targets as you walk with Him. Let me close in a prayer. Father, thank You. Uh, God, thank You for this family. Uh, in the inadequacy of, of my words or some of the silly jokes or whatever, God, I, I pray that Your truth came through. 
Father, I thank You for great men like Jeremy who would give the years that he has given to this body of believers and to this community. For Stephen and Becky and the elders of this church and those who are serving hour after hour that this body of believers might continue to be a light into this community, that it would grow. And that Concord would know there is, there is truth to be found here. That there is love to be felt here. And there is grace that will be extended here if they would but step out. Father, help each one of these, my brothers and sisters, to be the conduit of Your love. To be the hands that would reach out and to be those who would extend that grace and those who would give that smile to someone who walks in these doors for the very first time. Father, I pray that uh, You would be with us in our partnership from this day forward. For Lord, I pray there would be many who would come from Concord Bible to study at William Jessup and maybe they would come right back over here to serve someday just as Stephen and Becky did. Maybe as Brian will do someday. So many other students are seeking where you would have them to serve and to use their gifts. Thank you, Father, that there's churches like Concord Bible that look outside their walls to want to make a difference for your kingdom. Would you bless them and keep them, Father, until we meet again in your son's name. Amen. And God bless you.